Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today I had a really refreshing conversation that I wanted to share with you. Uh, first off, if you're new, welcome. It's a show all about how some of the most interesting and innovative brands in the world today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic. And if this is the first episode that you're listening into, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn down the intro music here just so that you're aware of what's going on. I typically talk to brands all over the place, CMOs, founders, CEOs, some really incredible stories, and I share them. Today, I'm talking to somebody who is a marketing mind, especially within the world of being responsible and authentic through that. Her name's Julie Hall. She's the founder of a company called Communitas Global. I'm going to let her tell you what that's about on the show. The title of this show is Return on Responsibility. And the reason why I thought it was really refreshing is because right now, in the current context, we see so much out there that is charitable-driven marketing, values-driven marketing. And all of a sudden, it seems, a lot of companies are figuring out how to be responsible in that way. There's a lot of value to be made in that. Julie is all about figuring out how companies practice what they preach before they preach it, how they internalize and operationalize this mentality such that when they go to market, they are truly being authentic in how they do it. And so we talk about her approach there. We talk about how businesses have been impacted by this in the way of being responsible. And we also touch on things like leveraging employees and leveraging consumers as extensions of those authentic arms. I found this really refreshing again because this is not a brand. You know, this is not somebody pushing an individual agenda. This is a person with 25 years in advertising and PR experience who has seen hundreds and hundreds of organizations and is now working with these organizations to make sure they actually are authentic operationally. You hear me two, three times a week talking with brands about how they do this, and I do get some depth, but Julie really sees it and works with it every single day. So I'm glad to be able to share it with you, and I hope that you get a lot of value out of it because I certainly did. So without further ado, I'm going to step aside and I'm going to let you hear it. This is our podcast from today with Communitas Global's Julie Hall. All right, everybody. I am here with Julie Hall from Communitas Global. Julie, thank you very much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's good to, to talk to you as a, like a, a marketing mind, just like an expert in this space, a vast career within the advertising world and in PR. But now at Communitas, let's, let's start there. Can you tell me a little bit more about what, uh, what you're doing? Yeah. So Communitas actually uh, was launched last July on Independence Day, actually, to be exact. Um, and Communitas really came from my experience in over 25 years and working for big global agencies, publicly traded and um, holding company agencies. Um, so Independence Day seemed to be the right time to launch it. And what I saw, you know, after years and years and years of working on programs to help make brands appeal to consumers and, you know, really help soften the edges, programs like uh, lather up for good health for the soft soap brand and labels for education for Campbell's soup, all of these, you know, what you would call corporate social responsibility programs. I really felt that what was needed was a way to really excavate companies' brand essence and their purpose 
in a way that would drive value for the organization. But most importantly, and this is what is the most important part, that those values are operationalized. Um, so many brands with whom I've worked, you know, were really painting a picture of the good that they're doing for society and really not living those values in their hiring and firing pra practices and within their performance reviews and how they treat employees. And you and I could go through countless of examples of companies that, you know, will put a full page ad out in the New York Times about all the good that they're doing, but, you know, they're, they're hiring people in sweatshops in, in Bangladesh. So that was really the impetus for Communitas is, you know, excavating those corporate values and purpose, operationalizing those values and purpose, and then communicating it. So, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't leverage my 25 years in um, advertising and marketing and PR, but the communicate part is, is something that we are adamant about only happening after those values are operationalized. So we were really lucky that, you know, we launched Independence Day last year and about six weeks later, the Business Roundtable, one of the largest organizations in the world of 250 Fortune 500 CEOs came out and said that they were changing what the purpose of a corporation was for them. And the purpose of a corporation wasn't just only to serve their shareholders. It was also for, for stakeholders and shareholders. And for us, that was hugely validating as far as our business model, because that's what we believe too. So it sounds similar to me and, you know, not, not operating in this uh, part of sort of corporate conscience. I, it, it sounds like what other organizations might be focused on when it comes to like diligence efforts and government compliance and all that, but it's, it's, it's much more values driven. It sounds like, so a, you have to make sure that a company is actually practicing what they preach before they preach it. Is that, is that fair? You know that. That's exactly right. You know, you've got, what we really see, you know, CSR, corporate social responsibility, which is sort of morphed, which used to be cause related marketing. You know, it's been a, um, a trajectory over the past 20 or 30 years. I did spend some time at Cone, which is owned by Omnicom, um, working at, at the knee of Carol Cohn, who's actually been a wonderful mentor and an advisor for Communitas Global, um, and kind of watching that industry morph. And really, CSR and cause marketing has been a marketing function. And what we believe is that it needs to be more than a marketing function. So our return on responsibility model that we counsel clients on and walk them through looks not only at your CSR, your corporate social responsibility initiatives, but most importantly at your ESG. And many people have never even heard of ESG in the you know social purpose world, um, in, uh, in, in impact investing. It's very popular. Um, environmental sustainability and governance is what ESG stands for. So our return on responsibility model looks at your CSR and your ESG and exactly the things that you, you mentioned there, like making sure that, okay, if you are making widgets, are your widgets being made in a, in a factory that treats its people responsibly? Are they being paid a living wage? Is, it, is the widget being made with products that are good for the environment, you know, is the process good for the environment, all of the things that really comply with the United Nations sustainability goals um, that they set. So it's a variety of things that we look at because that operationalizing part of it is so important before you communicate. 
you know, as a crisis communications um, practitioner, I can't tell you how many crises I've been through with CEOs where things could have been avoided if they actually were living up to the their purpose and their values and what was what they said was important to them. So this really is almost like an insurance policy in some ways for for brands, for companies, and for organizations. Got it. Okay, so I, I get it now. Um, this makes me really curious to ask a couple of questions that I don't think I get to ask in typical podcasts. So bear with me while I navigate some relatively uncharted territory here. I see right now this current context, this global crisis. Um, within about, I don't remember, I, it might have been a week or two. Obviously, with this, a bunch of secular trends were pulled forward. The way people were taking recommendations, the way that agencies had to work, the way that messaging had to change. Of course, that all happened really quickly. Like in mid-March, I'm remembering, if yeah. I'm remembering yeah, right. Yeah, right around St. Patrick's Day, yeah. Right. And immediately, I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars and, and hours and hours of airtime went from buy our stuff to... Somber piano notes. We're all in this together. Yeah. By the way, buy our stuff. And I'm curious to know from you, like how much of what we all saw this like suddenly charitable values driven marketing that dominated the airwaves and to some extent still does. How much of that do you think was operationalized and truly practicing what they preach versus preach before it was practiced because there's undeniably a lot of profit to be made in a crisis when you front caring. And this is maybe an overly skeptical view, but like a lot of consumers look at this with a skeptical eye. They see a brand and they say, well, you're, you still need money. And what do you really care? I'm curious to your perspective on that. You have 25 years in this space. Now you're hard, you're, you're hard at work making sure that businesses are truly values-driven from the inside out. This return on responsibility is really important. Do you think that this current context provided, so this is a lot of, this is a lot of loading here. But the question really is, do you <laughs> think that this context provided a reason to start operationalizing for people or do you think it's something that they generally were already doing? You know, I do think that's a great question. And I do think that most companies do try to live by their values now more than ever. You know, it's never been more important with the transparency and the authenticity that the Internet provides. Um, you know, it's more important than ever. And that's why I was so drawn to your podcast name. You know, the authenticity um, is is one of the most important things, I think, in marketing. Um, there are some brands, you know, like that I thought did a really nice job, um, but to your point, may not have been living what uh, they claim to be living. One uh, that I think of is Uber. Um, Uber came out with a beautiful ad I thought was just, you know, executed beautifully with the somber piano music and all of that and, and touched on a lot of the moments that we're all experiencing, you know, seeing grandparents through windows and, um, you know, doing Zooms with kids jumping in the background. And it was one of the first out of the gate. And what they said was, you know, stay home, you know, don't take Uber. 
And that, you know, seemingly was um, a message that, oh, wow, you know, Uber really, you know, they're not trying to make a profit. They actually, you know, are telling us to stay home. Now, couple that with the fact that, you know, some of the naysayers were saying, you know, you don't pay your workers a living wage. You're not requiring them to wear masks, those that are driving. You know, so there's always, and I think Dana, who's the CEO of Uber, does a, an incredible job in really, and he had a, a heck of a, a, a job when he took over um, 18 months ago to really, you know, excavate that Uber brand and live, um, you know, what their, their values are. And I think that brands that really do that work and really look for those pain points that, you know, that could be exposed are really the brands that can succeed in, in that, that path. Another brand that I thought did a nice job, um, was, um, Unilever and the Dove brand and how they were um, really point using real live nurses and doctors with, you know, marks on their faces from wearing the, the PPE and, and it was pressing down on their faces and celebrating them as heroes. Um, they got, you know, saying that that was real beauty for the, the Dove uh, brand. And they got a lot of pushback too, you know, saying that, you know, using this pandemic as an opportunity to push the brand. So, you know, in some cases, brands can be damned if you do, damned if you don't. But those that see an opportunity in our first movers in really um, using authenticity as their barometer and using um, transparency and authenticity as their North Star can navigate this. Um, you know, you're starting to see a pivot now. And I was talking to an, uh, an agency president the other day about, um, you know, you, you've probably seen in the papers, a lot of brands have canceled their um, big brands or canceling their commitments for ad spend um, through the remainder of the year, because you can't really commit to a, a three month, you know, looking out marketing spend right now when things are changing so rapidly. So really being agile and, um, and constantly looking at the data um, is so important. And I think even seeing the tone of what consumers are feeling is one of the most important things that a brand can do so that they can make sure that their messaging is really cognizant of how people are feeling. You know, that's the most important thing. Right, exactly. And you need to be able to, I mean, I hear that all the time on this show from people who are in charge of brands and responsible for P&L every day. Um, while at the same time, yeah, I see a lot of marketing budgets cut and I see a lot of tone changing. And of course, now I think you're starting to get a slowly, scarily growing proportion of the population that is protesting and wanting to end this, you know, for better or for worse. And that will become part of the conversation too. Now, I don't think any brand's going to step into that, but w let me ask this. So once this begins to pass, it's going to take a while, probably. Um, obviously, right now, a huge proportion of the advertising budgets that are maintained and that are spent have this purpose-driven, values-driven commitment to you know being responsible, commitment to giving back. And the proportions have never been higher. Um, when this is beyond us, where do you see the levels of that type of marketing as a proportion of the overall strategies that brands go to market with? Uh, where, how do you see it comparing to what it was before? Do you see it falling back to where it was? Do you see it maintaining this new heightened level, even if it's not as much as it is now? Like say if it's 90% now and it used to be 
you know, do you see it landing at like 20% and I'm throwing these numbers out there without knowing if they're true, but do you think there's going to be a new heightened floor of this type of marketing given what people are now kind of used to in the now normal? Yeah, I think that for sure um, we're going to see a change. I think one of the most important things that I want to point out um, and, and why I started Communitas is that marriage of operationalizing and communicating. Uh, because without the operationalized, like I have no interest in working on marketing campaigns if they're not truly authentic and lived in every branch at every you know office, uh, which is also going to change, right? It's it's going to be a, a different environment for sure um, when we go forward to work, not going back. We're not never going back. We're going forward. So what does that look like? So I think if there's one, you know, big thing that I try to always drive home when I'm talking to prospects or explaining communitas or, you know, those CEOs who get it that we work with and our our audience and our customers are always at the C level because it's not a brand marketing endeavor. It's gotta be lived at the top and then filtrated down. The operationalizing part is so important. And if it's not operationalized and it's not true and authentic, you can't market it. So I think for that reason, what I hope to see, and you know, we were seeing this before the pandemic hit, is that these chief human resources officers or chief people officers, you know, another industry that's under tremendous transformation was before. Um, are working more closely with the chief marketing officers. You know, that those two that have been so siloed in the past are now working more in tandem. So, you know, many times even just um, marketing operationally, I used to get frustrated in that companies wouldn't use the most valuable asset they have, which are their employees, to raise awareness of their marketing. You know, um, I used to do a lot of research for about a decade on new product launches. I wrote a book on it. Um, we did a study every year on the most memorable new product launches. And one of the things that I always found, the, you know, the companies like Coca-Cola, they would, when they would launch a new product, they would give a case of it out to every single employee globally to have them hand it out to their friends and family. You know, that's the kind of uh, buzz that is, you know, so cheap to do and so important to do. So I do think that we're going to start seeing a change in how companies are internally focusing their efforts before they externally communicate. Yeah, I, that's such a smart observation, by the way. And I, I've seen it too, but I think probably you and I have seen it more than others because we spend all of our time talking to folks in that echelon of corporate structure. The fact that chief people officer, chief human resources officer, it needs to, and especially right now, it needs to be inextricably linked to the way that people market. And in terms of, yeah, being authentic, and I'll just use that because that's the name of the show, it is, um, it's never been more important and it will always, you know, I think that it will always be a higher proportion of that marketing spend or just that focus going forward. And when I think about the ways that organizations um, are able to leverage their employees as their biggest fans... Uh, I, I see a lot of that too. You and I came into contact uh, right around the time, and listeners, right around the time that our conversation with Chris Hollander over at Panera was released. And right the day after that show released, it might have been the day that that show released, I'm not sure, 
big spot came out or a big uh, PR thing came out from them about how they were starting to use delivery drivers as the people who are central in their spots because they are the people who are that you know that you will get to know I guess the most through this. I have seen in other conversations that I've had over the last mm, roughly year, I think I've heard it over the last 12 months more than I've heard it uh, before that about this idea you need to have your employees be your biggest mouthpiece or, or a large mouthpiece. And that interested me because I think that that's true to an extent. That's absolutely a channel for growth. I think it's probably a channel for like market research too. Um, it makes me wonder, Julie, I want to turn here a little bit because on this show, I talk a lot about how I see a similar channel for growth, perhaps underutilized, but a channel for growth in a brand's uh, consumers too. I say mobilize their masses and you know in a lot of cases it is employees. But I think it's consumers as well. Do you see that happening more in this current context or if not, have you seen that become more important as the rise of like these chief people officers and chief marketing officers come closer together the importance of getting grassroots externally as well as internally? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what we've seen with, you know, this next generation in the workforce, you know, it's fascinating that this this moment in history um, is the first time we've ever had five generations in the workplace, right? So when you look at the difference among the differences among the generations, this this next generation, the centennials or Z, I think so I always call them centennials because they're, you know, born at the turn of the century. Others call them Z they have completely different expectations um, for the brands that they they um, support and completely different expectations for the companies for whom they work, which I think is so fascinating. And, you know, the other thing that I, you know, was so passionate about when starting Communitas, because I would have CEOs say to me, I don't care what you guys do, as long as you can get that nasty Glassdoor review off of Glassdoor or huh. you know, really pump up our Indeed reviews. And, you know, I'd say, that's not how this works. Yeah, that's totally That's backwards. the way it used to work. But if you really want to attract people that are going to live your values and your brand, you know, you've got to, it's, it's got to be excavated and lived. So I think because millennials and centennials have made it clear that they won't work for people, for companies that don't, you know, have the same values as they. I think that that ship had already started to turn before COVID-19. And it's going to be even more important post because I think, you know, when we do go forward into what's next, you know, this this mass experiment of work from, work from home that we've seen, um, you know, unfolding before our very eyes, is something that's not going to go away. And I think that we are going to see, you know, a massive shift in spend from a, um, an office real estate and, you know, commercial real estate perspective where, you know, CEOs are going to say, wait a minute, why are we spending for all of this, you know, real estate when we're just as productive as working from home? I think the bigger challenge is that you make sure when you are working from home that all of your employees know the reason why they turn on their computer every morning to support what this company stands for. So therefore, you know, what are we back to again? You know, values. There's the, the values and the purpose has never been more important for an organization because if your employees, and, and in Chris's uh, case with Panera, um, I, I admire Chris so much in the work he does, he's got 125,000 
people working for Panera um, around the globe and making sure that they all are clear on what that brand stands for and what they are delivering to their customers every day is so important um, because that's really, you know, what is a brand? A brand is really a promise and that promise needs to be lived by every single person that comes in contact with, with your brand. So it's going to be more important than ever, I do think. I don't think we're going to see it going, you know, a lot of people saying, get back to normal. There is not going to be a normal. I mean, this is, this is the most traumatic thing to happen to this country, you know, I think ever, because you can't really compare it to the Great Depression or 9-11. You know, a lot of economists have said it's like, the, it's like 9-11 and the Great Recession and the Great Depression all rolled into one. You know, right. it's it's really um, un, unprecedented, as all of the brand advertisers say in, in those ads, these unprecedented Right, times. yeah, and these uncertain, <laughs> unprecedented, all that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I... Well, let me keep using Panera as an example. I don't mean to hit on it too much. I mean, obviously, they're they're doing they're doing good things. Uh, I very much enjoyed the conversation with Chris. Also, they have those thousands and thousands of employees around the world that they're using. Um, in that same conversation, he mentioned that they're trying to do the same thing. I don't know about the same thing, but it's the same color of a thing with uh, their what they call e-marketable consumers, and there are 19 million of those. So orders of magnitude above what they could possibly do with their internal workforces. What are ways in your mind, again, relying upon your vast experience within the marketing and the PR world, in which brands can be doing this with consumers that aren't necessarily employees? Because when I think about some of these trends have been pulled forward, I mentioned a little while ago, people are acting more upon recommendations from others, for better or worse, than ever before. That might include decisions on where to consume. And though I imagine it to be more microeconomic than anything, as in this cool local restaurant's got this promo, you should do it, and how things spread like wildfire that way, um, I imagine that larger brands are trying to position themselves well in that way uh, too. What, do do you agree, one, and if so, what are some ways that you think that brands can be relating to consumers or using them through their own experiences of purchasing, of being a, you know, whatever, um, receiver of a service to build influence? I mean, what, what, what do you what, think brands can do there too? You know, one of the, I mentioned um, the most memorable new product launch study that I did for over a decade. And one of the things that always astounded me, no matter what year and no matter what the the most memorable new product launch was, was that people found out about new products from friends and family. That number never changed. And you can go through any research on new product launches and, and recommendations from friends and family always comes up, you know, no matter what decade it is. So people trust their networks, right? I mean, people really do trust their networks. And I think that we're even seeing this, unfortunately, polarized with the politicalization of um, of brands in some in some cases, um, and and it's really difficult, I think, for brands to be able to navigate um, the 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 severe divide this country and this globe is really experiencing. So. The one thing I think that, um, you know, looking back on the knowledge I have of, of how people found out about new products and what they shared, I think how brands can really do this well is creating a, a sense of community. I mean, there's such an incredible opportunity for brands to really find their like-minded people, you know, people who, who support and love the Patagonia brand 
probably have a lot of similar qualities, likes, interests, tastes, uh, political views um, as as others that like that brand. So I think that you know brands can find a way to really create a community to provide content that's valuable. You know, it's never been um, easier to create a community than it is now, given all of the resources we have online. Um, and that's where I think you've saw in the past decade, the rise of influencers and influencer marketing, um, which is sort of on the, on the backside now, I think, waning. But I think providing um, a community and f- helping find le- people that, that care for the same things that the brand stands for, again, back to values and purpose, that's one of the, the best ways that brands and companies can really stay relevant and authentic. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, you, you're speaking my language now. That's what this, that's what, that's what this show is all about. And it seeks to find those stories and those examples in the real world. Um, let me, let me close out by, uh, just asking you what you, and what you, what else you envision going forward for the future of like how brands more internally practice what they preach before they preach it. Uh, because people are learning a lot right now, obviously. I can take a rather cynical view on the beginning of this because everybody saw, I think I think people had dollar signs in their eyes. But, uh, you know, as we have determined on throughout this last half hour, roughly, um, people will realize that like th- there actually is long-term value there and the investments that they make now will have returns. Yes. Where do you see that happening? I mean, how do you see that continuing to progress and bearing in mind that that would probably be a great boon to communitas too. But I, I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Just looking forward, what, what, what hope is there that we can instill in, in people about how right. brands will act? Right. Right. Um, hope for the future. Right. Um, I do think this idea of return on responsibility is going something that is going to become more and more important for companies. And that whole blend of looking at CSR plus ESG environmental, governor, governmental, and sustainable um, factors is going to be more and more important. You know, sustainable investing um, has been sort of on the fringe for a couple of years. You know, it's in, or impact investing, it's also called. But I do think that you're going to see more of a mass adoption of that, you know, the mass market as we navigate this post-COVID world. And, you know, we shift out some of the incredible income inequality. I, I read somewhere that there's nothing like a pandemic to force income inequality back into shape. And, you know, when you do look at it back to, you know, the, the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages, um, the Spanish flu in the turn of the last century, they do. They really, you know, we've got such incredible income inequality in this country. And from a brand marketing perspective, it really violated some of the power of the middle class, you know, and the middle class didn't have the spending power that they had, um, you know, in the, in the, the end of the last decades of the last century, in the beginning of this century. So, you know, the hope is that if there's a silver lining that's going to come out of the post COVID world, that we'll see some reset of um, the haves and the have nots. And that is going to make the mass market more aware of and interested in understanding that the decisions they make, the purchases they make, have an impact on the world around them. And that is my greatest hope um, for all of this, is that we do see that, you know, if you're buying a product that is, you know, let's just say made of plastic. I tried this last year where I tried to buy nothing that came in plastic. Good luck to me. I made it like four days. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. 
It's yeah. impossible. But when you look at, you know, the, the Greta Thurm, Thurman and the folks that are driving this, you know, sustainable development goals that the UN put in place, it's, you know, science is real and climate change is real and companies and big global businesses are the ones that, you know, have that responsibility. This isn't Julie Hall saying this. This is the business roundtable saying this. They have a responsibility to the planet, to the communities that they work in, to their employees, to everyone, because without that, there's no one to market to. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's, it's really that um, I think that ethos that um, that businesses are starting to see, you know, it's it's um, when I started kind of noodling around in this space, we were calling it moral capitalism. We were calling it conscious capitalism. You know, the more I study capitalism and I've gotten really deep into Adam Smith and, you know, all of the economists of the 70s, Milton Friedberg and the Chicago School of Economists, I, I see that we're, you know, not in late stage capitalism, but we're in end stage capitalism. So whatever comes next is going to really have to have that foundation of, of a, a, a social moral fiber that in a lot of ways, you know, even will go back to the basic fundamental tenets of, of commerce and taking care of the community around you. Um, so I, th I think that it's, it's going to be really interesting. A lot of these things were put in place before COVID and are just, you know, amplified post-COVID, absolutely amplified. So, um, you know, we only have one world to to live in, and it's going to be important for the businesses that are really producing what we consume to take responsibility for it. Right. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more. We are, uh, well, we're learning a ton, and I, and I hope that it changes. And I, I'm glad that you landed on something called Return on Responsibility to describe this. Um, probably make that the title of the show, frankly. Uh, so, people, <laughs> if you clicked on this and you saw that, uh, that's... This is why um, I really appreciated having this conversation with Julie because I don't get to ask these frank sort of questions to um, brands with agendas. I don't really know how else to put it, but uh, it's refreshing to get an unbiased look, especially because what you believe and what I believe are the same with regard to leveraging employees and leveraging consumers, uh, being authentic in that way. Really appreciated that. Uh, for all the uh, advice insight here, um, you know, best of luck to you and Communitas. Uh, but for now, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks so much, Adam. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much to Julie Hall from Communitas Global for joining the show today. It truly was a refreshing conversation with me. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. So thanks. If you enjoyed this show, if you learned a lot, if you're interested in seeing individual brands' perspectives, I do that all the time too, here's how you can stay in touch. If you're subscribed across platforms and podcast directories, stay subscribed or subscribe if you haven't yet. But we're also on LinkedIn, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's a showcase page there. It's got all of our shows. It'll have other relevant information about us too, especially after all this current context is beyond us. We'll be doing events and things actually in person. That'll be fun. But for now, that's where you can stay in touch. Podcast.vavoom.co. I should mention that as well. That's a website 
where all of these live outside of iTunes and Spotify and all that. And then finally, I'm on LinkedIn, Adam Connor. Connect with me. Let me know what you think, maybe about this show, about other shows. Give me recommendations for who I should talk to next. I'm always hungry for that because I want to bring the best sorts of conversations that I can to you and tell the best stories possible. I'll be back again real soon, you already know, with another fantastic conversation about how people are mobilizing masses to become more authentic. Thank you for listening in, and until then, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.